very much enjoyed the words that Brother Alec just spoke to us. Uh, King David had, or David, I should say at the time, he got to a point where he had nothing, and he realized he could encourage himself in the Lord. I'm not saying that he had to get that low to realize that, but let us not get that low before we realize that. Uh, Let us encourage ourselves in the Lord while our families are still here. Let us encourage ourselves in the Lord while we still have things, right? But too many times I myself find myself encouraging myself and my stuff, encouraging myself and my wife, encouraging myself and my comfortable couch. But we need to be encouraging ourselves in the Lord and not wait until we get to that state. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to turn to Romans chapter 10. Um, this subject has grabbed a hold of me, and uh, Brother Wynn would probably laugh, but I, I I was not expecting to go up this evening. I knew Brother Sam was not here this morning because I don't have church in, in the morning, and I naively said, well, he'll take all the time tonight. You know, he's the pastor there, and I appreciate you giving me some time behind the pulpit, but um, this has been on my mind uh, for uh, today, and and hope us of the Lord. In Romans chapter 10, I want to rightly divide this. And I'm fearful and trembling, and I say that as sincere as I can. And it's not because I don't know this subject, it's because this subject is so very important. Uh, and the knowledge that I do have of the subject, what God has given me. Uh, but this subject, uh, understanding this subject, and it's uh, what the word saved means here in Romans 10, Understanding this subject is the reason I'm on primitive Baptist. Uh, I remember whenever I was seeing predestination and election and the grace of God, the word saved gave me fits. And it almost prevented me from being a primitive Baptist. And then the Lord blessed me to see that the word saved does not mean eternal salvation. The definition of the word saved means delivered. The definition of the word salvation means deliverance. The definition of the word save means deliver. That's very important for us to understand that. Because as we read the Bible, you know, sometimes uh, we'll, we'll say you have to read and say, what is it being saved from? But I like to even break down what the definition of saved is and say, what are you being delivered from? Because it's hard for us because we're so programmed in the world today to think like the world's religions, it's hard for us to think the word word saved can mean something besides eternal salvation. Well, if it doesn't mean something besides eternal salvation, then I'm going to tell you every uh, sister in here who has not had a baby and will not have a baby, you got problems. Because over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says that the sisters are saved in childbearing. Well, if that means eternal salvation, then uh, my, my wife should be praying for a baby, not only because she wants to nurture one and raise one up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, she should be praying for a baby because she wants to go to heaven. I mean, if, that, if saved means heaven, right? But saved means delivered. How is the sister saved in childbearing? I'm going to tell you, my mother, whenever I was a child, she smoked. But guess what she did whenever she had children? She stopped smoking. She was saved from smoking because she didn't want uh, her children to grow up to be smokers. Uh, she realized the best way to teach somebody was by example. My mother, whenever she would get off from work on her days off, when she would clean the house, she would watch soap, ungodly soap operas. 
But then when her little kids got old enough to repeat what was being uh, mentioned on the television, guess what she stopped watching? Ungodly soap operas. So she was saved from uh, ungodly television because she was trying to raise her children up the right way. I'm going to tell you, a little born-again child of God, a mother, she wants to be the best example to her child that she can be. And, and, and in that way, uh, she is saved in childbearing because she's trying to present a good example for that child to follow. Now, let's go over to Romans chapter 10. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Uh, for sake of time, I won't go here, but you go over to Acts chapter 2, and you go and read where Peter is quoting from the book of Joel, chapter 2, and uh, uh, Peter says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the prophet Joel in chapter 2 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. So right there, the Bible, the Bible defines to you what the word saved means. It means to be delivered. So let's read it like that. And, and I'm going to tell you, Apostle Paul was serious about this. I'm going to tell you, he, he said, my heart's desire, this is something to be serious about. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And, and, and what does save mean? It means to be delivered. Uh, I'm going to tell you, just like Apostle Paul's prayer and his heart's desire uh, uh, to God, uh, for Israel, when it, whenever it speaks of Israel here, it means all the born-again children of God that were Jews, uh, uh, who hadn't come under the knowledge of the gospel. Uh, he's, he's praying uh, for his Jewish brethren that are born again of the Spirit of God, that are God's people. And he wants them to be saved from something. He wants them to be delivered from something. And he's going to tell us what he wants them to be delivered from. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. You know what Apostle Paul just said there? I bear them record that they're born again. So I'm going to tell you, you show me somebody seeking after God, you show me somebody who believes in a God that they cannot see, I'll show you a child of God. And right here he says, For I bear them record they have a zeal of God. Meaning it came from God and it's in their very heart. It's in their very being. But look what he says about that zeal. He says, I, have, I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So if he's praying for these people uh, that, that are born again, but he says they don't have knowledge, you know what he's praying for? He's praying that they'd be saved from ignorance. And he's about to tell us that much. He says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And going to about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, as Brother Alex said, you know, he's talking about simple. One of the things that helped me start to understand that this can't be talking about eternal salvation apart from understanding that the word saved means delivered, is this is Apostle Paul talking here. Let's break it down. So, who is Apostle Paul? Apostle Paul is the one who wrote in Ephesians 1 that God chose a people out of the family of Adam and placed them in the family of Christ. Paul is the one who said that there is nothing in this world that can separate one of God's little ones from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul was the one that said, if you're a child of God, you're a child of God. So I'm reading that and I'm saying to myself, okay, if, if Paul knows... If Paul knows 
That eternal salvation is totally by the work of Jesus Christ. If Paul knows that eternal salvation is solely in the hand of God, then why does he claim for them to be saved? And then whenever the Lord blessed me to see that he was praying for them not to be saved to heaven, but saved from ignorance. And you know what the ignorance was? You know what happens to a little child of God whenever they're born of the Spirit? For the first time in their life, the law of God is in their heart. For the first time in their life, the light Jesus Christ is shining in them. You know what was all, the only thing that was there before the Lord came into their heart? Darkness, sin, uh, deceitfulness, vanity. But guess what? Whenever you're born again, that darkness doesn't leave. But guess what the light does? It shines to them how ungodly they really are. Right? I remember whenever the Lord entered me. I remember there was a time, Brother Sam, where I thought I was the greatest. I thought I was the best. And I was horrible. I was horrible. I, but I said, I've never murdered anybody, so I'm a great guy. But I'm going to tell you, then there came a time when the Lord put His Spirit within me and I was able to see how filthy I was. Oh, brothers and sisters, and then I started trying to work my way into righteousness. I started trying to do things to appear right before God. And guess what happened? I was honest with myself. And, I, and I'd wake up in the morning and I would try to be perfect. And that day on Monday, I wasn't perfect. And I'd wake up on Tuesday and I'd try to be perfect. And on Tuesday, I wasn't perfect. And every time I'd go to bed, I would think that I would be going to hell uh, if I died in my sleep because I knew that I couldn't bring righteousness to myself. But then one day, one sweet day, I heard the beautiful gospel of salvation by grace. And I realized the Lord told me, He said, Dear one, quit trying to do what I've done for you. Amen. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, whenever you and I are trying to make ourselves righteous before God, we are not submitting ourselves to the righteousness of God. You know what we're saying? We are bringing God's righteousness down. We are saying that God is like us because we can attain to what He is. You see that? We're not submitting ourselves to the fact that God is so righteous, there is nothing that I can do to make myself right before God. And these people that were under the law, you know what the law told them? The law said if you want to be righteous of your own accord, you go read the last few verses of Deuteronomy 6. The law says, herein is your righteousness. Do everything that's in the law and don't mess up. How would you like that to be your hope tonight? Hey, how do I become righteous? Don't mess up. Don't mess up. If we're honest with ourselves, where would we be? We'd be hopeless, would we not? We would, we, 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 we would be where I was at. I'm going to go to hell because I just can't do it, Lord. Look what he says here. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What people don't understand and what I want every child of God to understand is that any time you think that something you do 
or something that you did is what made you righteous in the sight of God, what you are doing, you are establishing your own righteousness. You're saying, this is what made me righteous. And if you're honest with yourself, whenever you sleep at night, you'll say, I never did it right. That's the reason these people were Pharisees. That's the reason the Jews had so many Pharisees, because they had to lie to themselves and make them think that they were better than everybody else. Because how else would they go to heaven? Look what it says here. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. What does that mean? Whenever you believe that Christ died for you, you stop trying to fulfill the law. Look, I still try to do good. I, I try to be better than I ever been. But I don't do it now to go to heaven. I do it because I want to be closer to my Savior. Look what it says. We're going to skip a little bit here. Because I do want us to understand what this is talking about. Verse 8. Or verse 9. Or verse 8. <laughs> but what say is it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let me tell you, this is not telling you that the way that you're made righteous is by, the way that you're made righteous in the sight of God is by something that you do with your heart or something you do with your mouth. You know why? Go with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Look what it says here. Verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Look what it says. It says you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. You were not put in proper standing with God by things that are corruptible. What does the Bible say about the heart? Go me over to Jeremiah 13 real quick. Or Jeremiah 17. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Does that sound like it's corruptible to you? No, it sounds like it's corrupted. <laughs> so if we're not redeemed with corruptible things, there's no way we can be redeemed with our heart because it's corruptible and it's corrupted. What does the Bible say about our tongue? Let's see if our tongue has the ability to make us right in the sight of God. Go with me to James chapter 3. Verse 2. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, that same is a perfect man, and abide also, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits 
and the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small ham, whithersoever the governor liveth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. It says the tongue defiles the whole body. Does that sound like it can redeem you? I'm going to tell you, your heart can't redeem you. Your tongue can't redeem you. Your heart is desperately wicked because before you're born again, your tongue uh, uh, is an iniquity that defiles the whole body before you're born again. So what is this saying over in Romans 10 whenever it says this? That if, ninth verse, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Whenever you believe that Jesus died for you, you're saved from something. And you know what you're saved from? It tells you in the 11th verse. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Do you feel to be a sinner tonight? Do you feel like you messed up this week? Do you feel like you messed up last week? Do you ever talk about people? Do you ever think dirty thoughts? Do you ever do anything wrong? Well, then you understand that you're a sinner. And whenever you believe that Jesus covered your sins, brothers and sisters, you're not ashamed. But if you believe that you've got to stand before God with only the things that you have done, guess what you're going to be? Ashamed. And look what it says here. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. What does that mean? Does that mean that whenever I believe, I'm made righteous? No, whenever we believe, we are made righteous in our minds. I'm going to tell you, before I believed, I was still going to heaven. But after I believed, I understood I was going to heaven. I'm going to tell you, before I believed, I understood only righteousness could inhabit heaven. And then after I believed, I understood I was going to heaven. So after I believed, I understood that I was made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so my heart, uh, 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 so when I believed in my head and my heart, I was able to see that I was righteous by the blood of Jesus. And then it says this, And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, is made unto deliverance. There's two ways you can look at this, and I look at it both ways. Can you imagine? Well, let me just say this real quick. To me, this is uh, real easy to understand that this can't be talking about eternity. Because right here it says in the 10th verse, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if this is talking about going to heaven, your eternal righteousness, and your eternal salvation. Look what this is going to have for somebody like John 12 and 42. Go with me over to John 12 and 42. John 12 and 42 says this. Nevertheless, 
Among the chief rulers also many believed on him, who Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogues. So over in John 12, verse 42, you have people who believe in Jesus. But because they feared other folks, they did not confess. Can you imagine being in that condition? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe you're going to heaven? Don't you like telling people that? I do. I do. I love telling people I'm going to heaven by the grace of God. I love telling people that I deserve hell, but, uh, but, but, but God has saved me by His unmerited favor that God chose me for some reason and He loved me and I'm going to be in heaven with Him one day because of what Jesus did for me. I love telling people that. Can you imagine the burden on you if you believed in Jesus but you couldn't tell nobody? And then one day you were just able to say, I do, I believe in Jesus. Wouldn't that be a great deliverance? Oh, I'm going to tell you, that'd be a shout, wouldn't it? If you went like ten years without being able to tell anybody, and all of a sudden you're like, I believe. Or if your whole life you believed that your righteousness depended upon what you did, and then finally you were able to see that you're going to heaven because of what Jesus did. Oh, what a... Oh, what a just a joy that would overflow and you'd be like, I believe. Oh, what a what a damnation it would be to have to keep that in your soul. But you think about these people. It says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. These people in John twelve forty two they believed on Jesus, but they did not confess. So if this is talking about eternal righteousness and eternal salvation. You're going to have people who believe, so that would make them eternal righteous, but they did not confess, so that would make them eternally damned, right? So you would have people in heaven who have no sins on, I mean, people in hell who have no sins on them, suffering forever because they did not confess. Does that even make sense? No. So what is this talking about? For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Whenever you believe that Jesus died for you, you're able to see for the first time that you are truly righteous. Because whenever you think it's something you did, whenever you're trying to establish your own righteousness, you may lie to everybody else, but your heart shows you. You just didn't get it done. With the man, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I want to tell you, I'm so thankful tonight that I'm able to be able to tell you in a public way that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. I believe that He died for me, and I believe that He died for you. And that's a salvation to my soul. But you know what also it is a salvation of? You know what it delivers me from? It delivers me from my only friends being the friends out in the world. How do y'all get members here, Brother Sam? Do you just go down in the in the pews and just start janking people up here? They make a confession, don't they? I'm going to tell you, whenever we make a confession and we're baptized, we become members of the church. And whenever Peter talks about baptism, he says wherein uh, 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 he compares it uh, to to the... Flood of Noah, uh, he said 
that the water saved those eight souls. He said, wherein is a figure like baptism does now also save us. How It doesn't say that the ark saved them. It said that the water saved them. How in the world did the water save Noah? It saved him from that wicked and corrupt generation that lived in that world, right? That is the same way that baptism and confession saves us today. Because we don't baptize people who don't confess, do we? I'm going to say, we believe in a believer's baptism. And how do we know that you believe? You confess. I'm going to tell you the church of God is a salvation. Brothers and sisters, we should treat it as such. I'm going to tell you, we, we should understand the brothers and sisters that we got. We should utilize each other. Oh, if you feel lonely, you let somebody know. I'm sure somebody here will invite you over to eat. I'm going to tell you, you need to be prayed for. These folks will pray for you. I'll tell you, I want us to see that Romans 10 is not talking about going to heaven, but it's talking about being ignorant of how righteous God is that they could actually think that they could save themselves. And when they're honest with themselves, they're going to be in despair. They're going to be in shame. And whenever they're able to believe and they're able to confess, they get to feel that great relief. They, they're delivered from that burden from being upon them and not being able to just shout that the Lord is my Savior. And they're able to come into a beautiful church where we, where we can help each other along the way. I hope these things were helpful to you. God bless you.